Welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. We're cutting through the BS and bringing you the stories that matter. I'm your host, as always, Jason Van Tatenhove. Man, it was a rough start for the week. We, um, on Tuesday, a lot of us parents got very frightened, frantic phone calls and messages from our children. I'm just going to read you the messages that I got from my 15-year-old daughter. Came in about starting at 9.45. and said, Dad, we're in a lockdown, not a drill, like code red. Of course, I tried calling her immediately. said, I don't know if I can answer. And I asked her, do you hear anything? Do you hear gunshots? No. Okay. And then she told me she got yelled at for, for me calling her phone, but there were no gunshots and, and it turned out really well. But for, for myself and I'm sure every other family out there, but having just gone through the, the, the loss of my wife and, you know, their mother, it, it just, it's such a crazy reality we now find ourselves in that even here in the bubble of Estes Park that, um, uh, that these types of issues are, are cropping up. And this is something that is obviously um, more than just, you know, a, a, a swatting call because uh, it wasn't just us. Um, Colorado experienced a series of hoax bomb threats um, targeting over 40 schools include, across multiple districts and also synagogues. These threats received via email prompted some institutions, including the Estes Park uh, School District, uh, to evacuate. We were one of the first, apparently, to get the, the email in, which initiated a lockdown. The uh, FBI Denver office was aware of numerous threats, but found none to be credible. Um, and this kind of this is following a, a trend that we've seen here last year, and I'll put a link up to it in the show notes, but I did a podcast about this time last year uh, where the same thing had happened. And what was scary about that one is um, luck, we, we got lucky again. The kids happened to be on a snow day when the threat came in, but they still went in and swept it, the, the, all the, the, the elementary, junior high and high school and um Unfortunately, but fortunately, uh, a firearm was discharged by one of our, our law enforcement officers in the elementary school. But, you know, thank the gods the kids were not there. Um, yeah, these, these incidents are highlighting the issues of school safety and the impact of hate-based incidents on community security. These incidents seem to be something that's becoming more and more par for course. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just... It's alarming. When I go and do my talks all over the country, um, I, I'm doing it with people um, that are like, you know, the secretaries of states of, of particular states, you know, the people in charge of elections and whatnot and and lawmakers and political leaders. And um, it almost becomes like a support group because they're, they're, everyone across the spectrum is dealing with this, these types of threats and, and um harassment and um you know it, it's just dangerous and i gotta tell you the school response was great they got the kids out um we do have to to look at 
some of the lessons we can learn moving forward. Because of course, you know, all of the kids were messaging their parents that, you know, we're, we're in a code red lockdown. We don't know if it's a, a active shooter or a bomb or don't, they didn't know what it was. We didn't know what it was. And, um, including myself. I mean, I threw on some, some pants and, and put on my brace and went straight to the school as I'm sure many parents did. Um, and, uh, was getting the information out to the locals here because uh, a lot of times I'm the, the, the source for breaking news because I'm able to cover it so quickly. Um, and you know, they brought all the kids down to, uh, the event center. That was great. However, um, there was just crazy winds and the temperature was at dangerous levels. And, you know, you had a lot of people waiting in line for hours and it, it only took three hours to reunite, reunite the kids. And according to a statement from the school district that no, typically uh, a school of our size, a school district of our size um, would take six hours and they did do great with that. But, you know, there were people there with, you know, still in their pajamas and, and, you know, trying to wrap up with blankets and whatnot. It definitely was, we, we need to rethink that because we definitely have some, some extreme weather here. And if a reunification process takes hours, we need to look at how we can, you know, not make the reunification, um, you know, something that, that could be bad to the health of the locals waiting in line for hours. I mean, it was great. And, and, you know, this is all hindsight, which, you know, is obviously 2020, but, um, you know, I think, and, and they did, as I was leaving, I, I think I picked my daughter up right around three and they were bringing in school, heated school buses at that point to, for the, the parents to wait in a heated wind-free environment and and they didn't have any bathrooms open so next time i mean maybe just open the bathrooms on the side of the event center um but you know it's just the first time we've had to deal with something like this so um we just have to learn as we go but i mean it was it could have been so much worse and thank the gods that it was just a threat you know it wasn't real and all of us got to reunite with our kids um you know but for for a while there it seemed like it could have been a nightmare coming true. And I know I want to just take the time as a parent and community member, someone who was there and frightened for, you know, the safety of my children while we're trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, specifically the park rangers from Rocky Mountain National Park just went above and beyond. You know, they, they, they share a community with us and um, they're always there on hand to help and, uh, you know, I had gone up and, and mentioned, you know, they're, they're, you know, mothers here with, with infants that, you know, are not dressed for the weather. There's going to be exposure issues. And you know what? The, the guy I talked to, he came back and offered me his own gloves um, because my hands were really not doing well. And then brought back blankets and jackets um, you know, just stuff he had in the back of his uh, vehicle and started giving them out. They started bringing in the mothers with young children and, and elderly and such. So that was great. They really stepped up and beyond um, and, and our Estes Park Police Department as well. But it was really the Rangers that really kind of, um, you know, tried to 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 just make this as bearable of an experience as possible. So I just wanted to give a shout out to the the park rangers here at Rocky Mountain National Park and what a great job they did. We also had um, 
one of the uh, the tour companies come by, the ones with the red Jeep, um, giving out, because they always have blankets in their Jeeps. They were giving out blankets. I think Wayfinder uh, went and got a bunch of blankets and, and gave those out. But that just shows you, like, the resilience and, and strength and cohesion of our community that we have up here. Um, you know, we really are mountain strong here in Estes, and I, I really am just so proud to to be a part of this community. And um, so, yeah, I just, and the school as well. I mean, this is not a type of event you ever want to have to deal with. And, you know, I've covered the uh, active school shooter drills, um, you know, doing video and such. So they do prepare for this. But, you know, there are things you don't think of when you're you're doing that in the middle of summer. Um, so we'll learn as we always do, and we'll we'll get better as we go as a community. So, uh, yeah, so let's, let's go ahead. We're going to go also talk about, I don't have anybody to interview today, uh, but just wanted to touch on a couple things. I wanted to touch on um, the bomb threats, obviously. There wasn't too much media attention outside of, um, you know, just local media and um, it didn't really make news otherwise. But, you know, for us living through it, it was definitely a big news story and uh, definitely impacted our uh, our mental well-being and just you know just life in general so um but today we also had governor polis give the state of the state address i'm going to go ahead and go over what he said there um and then we have the um local municipal elections we're going to go over um kind of what's happening with that and what the important dates are and who has said they're going to be running for local office. Now, right here, right now, I want to take the time to to put to bed some rumors that have been going around. Every time I go out to the bar, restaurant, or grocery store, then you know I have people pulling me say, I hear you're running for mayor. Um, I am not, in fact, running for mayor. The last thing I want to be in the world is a politician. And uh, I'm sure there are much more qualified people than myself. Um, Cam, I'm looking at you. I know where the rumor started. <laughs> I think it started as a joke, but it seems to have sprouted wings and taken off. But no, I am not running for any sort of town board position or for the mayor. Um, yeah, my job is to write words and to speak words. And, you know, I barely can do that uh, intelligibly uh, on a regular basis. So I'm also going to include, I just did an interview with... Uh, it just hit yesterday with NBC's affiliate out of Washington, D.C., uh, talking about extremism, and I was featured heavily in that. They're going to use it for like three other little video spots. It'll go all over the country. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link to the video itself and the article that was produced around it. Uh, they focus on my book. I have an upcoming interview with a local NPR-like station here on the front range i don't ever say things until it's out because i don't want to jinx things and you know it's just good form not to but i've got i've got more interviews coming up this week some great news on uh on my author side of things um my agent is actually going to be uh, heading to the london book fair where she will be representing my book and six other colorado authors um at the London Book Fair this spring, and uh, hopefully that'll really open up some some readership in in Europe. And uh, so I'm excited to see what happens with that. Uh, got back my first uh, royalty statement, and the book did better than anyone expected. And that was just for the first four months. Almost sold out the entire first five thousand 
uh, copy run within like three or four months. And that's not an including audiobook sales, which have been very strong. And uh, so this is all great news. I got two, two new book. I got one book pitch out in my agent's hand, the, um, the propagandist daughters, um, which has interest from major publishers. So hopefully I'm going to knock on wood that that will go well. Um, putting together another pitch this week, um, by the end of the week, which is uh, coming up real quick, but that will be my next nonfiction book. And I'm thinking of delving into the impact that AI is going to have and already really is happening, uh, is having on writers, on authors and journalists and, and just, you know, people who, who write for a living and, and what that means, what the future might look like with that. Uh, may co-author it with some people, but it'll look at specifically um, authors and journalists and, um, you know, how it's going to change the industry, how it's going to change workflow. Um, also look at it from an agent's perspective, a literary agent's perspective, and then also a publisher's perspective, um, because we are in a brave new world and things are changing. So I'm um, putting together that pitch, already kind of verbally pitched it and and to to my agent and some publishers and there's been just tremendous interest in that. So that might be the way I go rather than doing something political this time. But, you know, it's the election cycle. So it, it might wind up being a political book as well, or, you know, in addition to, or instead of, so things are, are all going really good there. Um, so that's about it. We're going to jump into paying the bills real quick. And then we are going to come back with a recap of what Governor Polis had to say at the State of the State uh, address that happened at about 11 o'clock this morning. Have you ever visited the breathtaking landscapes of Estes Park, Colorado, and wished your adventure didn't have to end? Now you can continue the journey with Colorado's Chance, the Firewalker, a thrilling supernatural adventure set right in Estes Park, Rocky Mountain National Park, and Aspen. Follow the story of Chance Van Horn, a seasoned journalist as he delves into mysterious occurrences at the Summit Hotel, navigating through a labyrinth of danger, enigmatic symbols, and dark secrets. And join summer and winter his adventurous nieces as they uncover hidden realms and mystical libraries, all set against the stunning backdrop of Colorado's Rockies. Whether you've visited Estes Park, call it home, or have yet to experience its wonders, this novel brings the magic of the mountains to life, weaving a tale of suspense, mystery, and unbreakable bonds of family. So are you ready to dive back into the beauty of Colorado and embark on an unforgettable supernatural adventure? Grab your copy of Colorado's Chance, The Firewalker, today, available on Amazon.com. Don't miss out on this journey of mystery, resilience, and the magic of the supernatural. Crafted by Estes Park's own Jason Van Tatenhove. All right. So today at about 11 o'clock this morning-ish, started a little late, the, uh, the governor, who's well into his uh, second appointment as governor, um, held the annual State of the State Address at the uh, Colorado State Capitol Building. Um, you know, and it, it, it was all right. It was a lot of, it was a lot of uh, victory lap uh, stuff. Um, and, uh, and then Colorado Public Radio 
pointed that out in a uh, an article by Megan Varley. Um, <clears throat> you know, he he definitely spent plenty of time um, calling out his recent milestones for uh, fully funding the K through twelve education, like the 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 um, summer EBT uh, food funding, so that kids have uh, money for food and then when school is is out of session which as a parent i certainly um am I'm all for um they also capped uh the price of certain medications including insulin and EpiPens, which again has a very personal hook for me my oldest daughter is insulin dependent and um you know as a single working mother um, who's trying to juggle a mortgage and just life as a single mother in today's brave new world um, and happens to be a uh, type one juvenile diabetic. Um, you know, that that's something that really does make a difference. And uh, so that is definitely, and especially considering like, as Polis had said, you know, there are, there are many other countries out there that we're paying, you know, 200% more or, or more than I mean, we're ju- we are just getting ripped off when it comes to um, the the price of certain medications. I mean, I have to wonder which ones we aren't getting ripped off on. But um, you know, when when other uh, developed nations are are paying substantially less, we have to wonder what's happening here. Um, he also really touched on and and hammered home the fact that we are in a housing crisis. That there are you know, students who do not believe, you know, that are graduating now, they do not believe they will ever own a home, um, you know, and, and I would be in that as well if my family didn't have uh, a home already. So I'm, I'm very lucky. I am entitled in that way to be able to live up here. But, you know, how many of our friends here in the SS Valley or anywhere across Colorado or the nation, people that are listening to this, you know, how many of you worry or hear from your friends or your family your, your elderly parents that they don't know with the, the rising cost of housing, if they, they're going to have a place to live. I mean, this is something that I hear about every week from friends of mine that are trying to remain in the Estes Valley community. Um, and it's just something that is, is endemic across the, the nation. Um, and uh, so he acknowledged that and hopes to, to lay out some priorities. He, um, he also, after the failure of his land use bill last session, he's he's urging lawmakers to to pass parts of it here and there, um, and uh, just, you know he's talking about more incentives for local governments to change their approach to development instead of requiring it. Um, he's quoted as saying, "We will need a well-rounded approach, and that includes goals for housing that every community can work." toward in their own way. These goals must consider jobs, zoning capacity, transit areas, housing density, and factors like regional equity and infrastructure capacity and water. He also, you know, also uh, talked a lot about public transit and extending rail systems to, you know, Boulder and Longmont first, and then eventually Fort Collins. I mean, we've been talking about a rail system in, in Northern Colorado, literally since the early eighties, like we still have never got it done. So, you know, he talked about that, that moonshot being the broad expansion of a passenger rail around the state. Well, I'll believe that when we see it, cause we've been talking about that from the eighties and, you know, 
I know, he says we have a vision for the Front Range and the and Mountain Rail that will create access points across the state that connect people to more housing, more business, and more jobs, getting people places quicker and less expensively. We're gonna get it done, he promised, and you know. I'm not going to hold my breath for that because I would have been dead in the 80s if I had held my breath then. Um, but it's not that hard. I mean, it's public transportation. Um, <clears throat> Polis also, he, he really reached across the aisle, I think, in his view on income tax, um, which, you know, is is something that, you know, a lot of people in his own party. Now, I, I see Polis, while he is a Democrat, you know, he's he's kind of a libertarian Democrat. Um, and really kind of holds on to that persona. You know, he really does kind of live it. But, um, you know, so he was talking about cutting income tax. He urged lawmakers to to see the large Tabor refunds Colorado has been paying as a sign that taxes are too high. And um, cutting the income tax rate isn't a panacea, he said, but to spur economic, continued economic growth, it should be a significant part of progressive reforms to Tabor refunds. He urges colleagues, Republican lawmakers, um, uh, to 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 do that, and the Republicans really seem to 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 go in for that. As as far as the applause levels goes, um, there were hundreds of protesters gathered outside the Capitol that were you could hear them in the background chanting at times, um, and they had disrupted the uh, the opening day of the session. I think was it yesterday? It was sometime this week. I think. Um, and um, but they were there again to demonstrate the the war in Gaza. Their shouts and chants could occasionally be heard, um, you know, over the microphone as as people spoke. Um, so you know, it, it it was good. I'm I am glad to to be a Colorado, and I really am. I think we have it a lot better than a lot of other places. Um, the one thing I am going to say, the one really big critique is while I love Polis's geek culture references he has really got to work on his his impersonations he did one of spock where he said um not to do anything would be highly illogical but he just was off he didn't sound anything like spock and then did another one with yoda and uh the infamous there is no try there is only do uh, something along those lines and yeah he he needs to work i mean for being such a, a gamer geek he I'm sure he's got like a ton of friends that can help coach him on how to better impersonate Spock and Yoda. But if that's the worst thing that I got to bitch about, well, then we're doing all right. <laughs> At least we have a governor who literally will uh, try to impersonate Mr. Spock from Star Trek and Yoda from Star Wars. I try to throw in uh, references, you know, wherever I can in my interviews to Star Trek or Star Wars. So um, props on that. All right, and I just wanted to end off the podcast with some information on the regular municipal elections. There was on Tuesday, January 2nd, a candidate information forum uh, where the, the town clerk offered candidate information uh, for those that were uh, interested in possibly running. So the election has been set for April 2nd, 2024, um, and uh, January 29th, which is, uh, you know, it's going to come up quicker than we think, is the last day to file a write-in candidate affidavit. Um, the 29th is also the last day for a candidate to withdraw from the election. 
Uh, March 11th will be the last day for eligible electors to establish residency in the state of Colorado. Um, and you can do that at www.govotecolorado.com or at the county clerk's office um, or the town clerk's office. Uh, up to the day of the actual election. On April 2nd, the election day, town hall polls will open at 7 a.m. and be open through 7 p.m. And on April 23rd, we will have a swearing-in of newly elected town trustees at the town board. Now, who is running? That's, so far, that's really what I'm interested in. Um, and I think all of us should be. I think we should make this a historic vote this 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 year, if you feel like your voice has been an unheard, whether it be with issues around the loop, um, whether it be the ongoing crises at the Estes Park Police Department and the clear as mud, um, you know, communication from town administrator Maholik. I know, man, I, I you know what? I, I, I liked Travis quite a bit. But, you know, seeing how these issues have been handled you know, the town administrator is kind of like the administrative mayor of the town. The mayor is elected and the town board trustees, they're all elected. But the town administrator is hired and he's hired and fired by the town board. And I got to say, you know, I, I just don't know. I, I feel like they talk a good game about transparency until we drag information out of them. And it seems to always be a drag. Um so, you know, if you're frustrated like I am with things like this, the, the most direct route we have to affecting change in our community is by just, just voting, voting in new blood that is going to um, maybe be more receptive to some of the issues that we've been screaming about, like the loop. I mean, it just, the the it seems to be, the silence is deafening coming back with uh, issues with the loop, issues with, you know, the the seemingly failed institution that is our hospital. You know, they're just they're, there's a broad spectrum of issues that, you know, the town puts out good PR for good stuff. But, you know, the treatment of J-1 visa workers, you know, that's another one that just it, it always seems to be just the silence is deafening. So uh, I know I'm certainly going to be voting for some change coming up. Um, so far, as far as candidates go, um, the candidate for mayor is Barbara Alpine, which you'll, you'll, she's a town trustee now. I like Barbara. I like so far what she's been doing. Um, candidates for trustee, we have Bruce Darby, um, Mark Eigel, um, and Nick Thomas. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I, what I want to do right now is invite any of the candidates, regardless of, you know, political persuasion, um, you know, what what side of our cultural divides or or or. Um, I don't want to use that term anymore. I want to say just across the spectrum of our culture here in Estes Park, because um, you know, I think we're a lot less divided than a lot of places in the country. And, and the more I use words like divided and such, the, the more it seems to, to happen. So I want to, during this election, try to avoid using words like that. So I want to invite any, any candidate that, that is registered to run for a town position 
Um, if you want to come on, like I've done for previous municipal elections, and and tell my my listeners and my readers about who you are, what your background is, who you are as a human being, what your vision for uh, moving Estes Park into the future is, please reach out to me, Jason at ColoradoSwitchblade.com. Uh, be happy to get you on, give you a sit-down interview where we can just talk like we're sitting at a bar over beer and vodka or, you know, coffee shop if you don't drink. Um, just as I've done in previous elections, I, I want to give these candidates a chance for the community to get to know them on their, you know, in their own words. So, um, yeah. And then, of course, closer to the election, I'll tell you who I'm voting for, as I always do and why. Um, but you know, I always, I always try to invite all of the candidates on if they want to come. So um, please reach out if you're a listener and you're running for office or you know someone who's running for office and, and just let them know, hey, Jason will have you on. All right. Well, that's going to be it for today. Um, I am going to include, um, I just was featured in a um, uh, NBC affiliate, the affiliate in Washington, D.C., doing a piece on extremism. Um, violent extremism and and just kind of what the the numbers are um, currently right now uh, as far as research goes as far as willingness to participate in political violence and there are some shocking shocking numbers there but but I'm going to go ahead and post the video for that in the uh, show notes of this so you can watch it right here on the Colorado Switchblade um, and also a link to the article. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for today. I hope you've enjoyed my little recap of things happening here in Estes and across the state. And one last note, I would say, take the time today to tell your loved ones just how much you love them. This week's events have reminded us that you never know when something may happen out of the blue. All right. Thanks for listening to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm your host as always, Jason Van Tatenhove. Stay classy, Colorado.